Hello, good afternoon, and happy holidays, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Mary Fran Johnson, CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media. Twice a month, we produce CIO Leadership Live with the gracious support of my friends at CIO.com and the CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live to you right now on LinkedIn and on our own CIO channel on YouTube. And we welcome any of our viewers who have dialed in today to join in this conversation with questions of your own. One, one of our editors will be watching for those questions and doing their best to pass it along to me. My guest today, which I'm so happy to welcome, is Gary Jeter, who is the Executive Vice President and CTO of the Truestone Financial Credit Union. Truestone Financial started out more than 80 years ago as the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers Credit Union. It's based in Plymouth, Minnesota, and the credit union started expanding across the Midwest during those 80 plus years, and in 2020 joined with the Firefly Credit Union in a merger of equals that created the second largest credit union in the state of Minnesota. Today, they serve 200,000 of their member owners, and they're managing $4.3 billion in assets. Gary joined the organization in 2019, right before the big merger took place. And as the CTO, he played a significant leadership role in helping that make it make happen. Since then, Gary has been leading Truestone's digital transformation strategy, which we'll be talking about in some depth today. And he's also done an unusual and active things like partnering with a trio of fintech startups in the digital banking space. Prior to his current role, Gary held IT leadership roles in a number of Fortune 500 firms across several other industries, including healthcare, insurance, aircraft engines, and commercial finance, where he's working at companies such as Optum, United Health, Ceridium, and GE Capital. And then way before that, he spent nine years in the military as a helicopter pilot. Gary, welcome. It's great to have you here today. Oh, thanks a lot, Mary Fran. I'm just thrilled to be here. Now, let's start out after I just mentioned all of those large companies that you spent much of your IT leadership career at and wondered what drew you to the midsize or smaller companies, especially in the not-for-profit kind of community and mission-driven space of credit unions. Tell us about that transition. Yeah, it's been a really uh, uh, fun transition. It's really mm -hmm. been a lot of uh, a lot of great work. The uh, so I really got pulled into it. Um, I our CEO Dale Turner, who's actually a visionary. It's great. He mm -hmm. he was looking at basically doing a very very large merger of equals, and at the time it was the largest uh, merger of equals. And looking from somebody from a that had kind of enterprise scale uh, to kind of jump in and help um, yeah. lead the merger across the board. So. Um, help help led the merger. Our, our official operations day one was March 2021. So it was mm -hmm. a lot of prep in 19 or in 2020 to be able to mm -hmm. make that And since then, haven't really looked back. It's nice uh, to be in a smaller company um, versus uh, Fortune 500. Uh, definitely great experience. Uh, it's a different um, skill set, I guess, if you will. Uh, yeah. jumping into this role. It's been it's been absolutely fabulous. Yeah. Well, and this is your first official CIO role. The others have been VPs, senior VPs, much bigger teams, but not the not where the buck stops and the one throats a choke. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. uh, is it is a lot of fun being the one throat the choke. So when I was at United Health Group, I led a just a massive <clears throat> Team that was global, 1,300 employees across the globe, and, mm -hmm. and certainly learned a lot of great experiences to yeah. scale and great leadership team there. Um, but moving into a smaller organization like mm -hmm. Truestone, um, you know, reporting to the board of directors on a monthly basis, uh, mm -hmm. setting the strategy for technology, and then moving very, very quickly um, yeah. has been really, really a lot of fun uh, across the board. Mm -hmm. Well, and those um, the qualities and the capabilities that you brought to a merger um, of these two equals, essentially, to create the second largest credit union, where did a lot of that experience come from? Because you've been at finance companies, but you were in technology roles. So what was it that you brought to the, the table there? 
Well, I think it's a lot of process uh, type skills as well as technology. So when we dove into the merger, we were essentially looking at it impacted everything within the credit union. There's about 600 employees uh, combined. So each credit union had uh, 300 employees. So we doubled in size. Uh, yeah. So it's really a function of how do we evaluate the technology? Which are which is the best? Is it? Uh, and we had to look at it from an architectural <laughs> view as well as a process and a um, team member or employee point of view as right. far as what's going to serve them for the members. And mm -hmm. so we didn't always choose best in breed uh, because uh, again, learning from the from the past, best in breed when you stitch it together, a lot of times that turns into a Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. uh, but we did look at what's going to best support our members, what's going to best support our team members, serving our members to remove friction, evaluating that in a very objective criteria, mm -hmm. um, and, then, and then selecting it, and then looking at ways uh, through the merger, how do we integrate that? How do we make it uh, successful? Yeah. We had a very short time period from legal day one to operations day I know, one. No, you did it very quickly. Yeah, really, really, really quick. It was uh, January 1st, uh, uh, 2021 was uh, mm -hmm. our legal day one. And we essentially had two months to pull a lot of the technology together, uh, particularly the technologies that our, our members were using and the technology that our team members were using. And, right. and the infrastructure was, a lot of the infrastructure was pushed off later. So 29 day or uh, 59 days. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, and a lot of fun. And so large enterprise experiences helped drive that. Yeah. Well, and you were also doing this during what I think we all look back on now is the that dreadful year of 2020, where we were in the depth of the pandemic then, hoping it would be totally in the rearview mirror by now, and it isn't completely, but it, there was still so much we didn't know in 2020. Did that present any particular, that must have presented some new problems for you because you hadn't lived through a pandemic before. None of us had. Very true. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was a little crazy. <laughs> Essentially, uh, credit unions very relationship based. When you look at a two billion dollar credit union, uh, relatively small, um, everything was on site. Uh, there wasn't uh, there was some virtual workers, but not a ton. It was not the norm across. Yeah. The um, so. The, the pandemic essentially accelerated our digital transformation. So okay. mm -hmm. unified communication, bringing in um, video, Zoom, uh, mm -hmm. you know, essentially making that successful. And then also from a cultural perspective, getting employees used to working remotely. So we closed down our branches. We looked yeah. at um, from a technology perspective, how do we provide, you know, capabilities that improve our member experience and they can bank mm -hmm. virtually. It was, uh, it was great actually, you know, so in the past, mm -hmm. I would say probably 70% was done in the branches, uh, from a digital transformation perspective that completely switched. Um, uh, yeah. of course. So, and that happened very quickly and doing it, doing the merger virtually was very hard too. So yeah, I, I, a lot of zoom meetings, um, a lot of different skills that, yeah. I can imagine. Well, I know we're going to talk in greater depth about the the talent you have on staff and and the and the customers and who they are and what they look for. But first, I want to ask you to this is a, a newer industry for you, the credit credit union business, but you've been in it now for three years. So take us up to kind of a 30,000 foot view and talk about what now that now that we're thankfully we're getting into 2023 next month when we look back at the last three years what is the big picture about the impact on the credit union business as an industry and also some of the highlights of what it affected at uh, Truestone so you know from a 30,000 foot uh, perspective Again, the pandemic really drove the digital transformation to make sure we provided the technology to members to be able to transact uh, mm -hmm. with, their, with their finances um, virtually. And then also from a team member perspective, making significant changes uh, to make sure they had the technology and remove the friction across mm -hmm. the board so that they could serve our members effectively. Um, it's been a 
it's been a little bit of a whiplash uh, because from the pandemic, there were a lot of deposits. So lending was a big uh, focus uh, within the credit union. Mm-hmm. Um, just recently, um, as we're ending the recession, lending is picking up. So now it's a focus of deposits to make sure we're strong to be able to provide the effective lending to, to members. Um, you know, I'm coming out of a healthcare background, employee assistance program uh, background. Um, it's been a ton of fun stepping into the financial industry over these last mm-hmm. years. I'll tell you because of the amount of fintech innovation that's being created from these um, small startups um, and how they deliver value and how you tie that into your digital landscape and the digital channel. Okay. And so much, it's been so much fun. Okay, well, let's dive into that. Let's talk about, well, before we talk about fintechs and your landscape, tell us about your customer base. Do they have, you know, I've heard had so many CIOs that talk about the Amazon effect. You know, the fact that everybody assumes they can Google something, go into Amazon, buy it, have it to them. So we've got, you know, the, the populace in general is sometimes two steps ahead of some businesses that are in the process of transforming digitally. So talk about what your customer base has looked for from TrueStone that you're now able to do with the transformation you have underway. Yeah, it's really interesting. (laughs) So today, if you look at the average person, they have relationships with 30 different financial institutions, credit cards and things like that. And then if you look at their mobile phone, yeah. They have 13, on average, 13 different mobile apps that interact with their um, different oh. financial institutions. Huh. So what does that mean, right? So that means that there is a one size fits none. So what was in the past, there was your prefer, uh, primary financial institution. Well, that whole concept's changed. It's now your preferred financial institution. So from a technology mm-hmm. perspective, it's really all about embedding the right fintechs to be able to remove friction and be able to serve members. And so the credit union ourselves, we don't necessarily have to create and provide all these products and services, but what we do need to do to be, to remain their preferred financial institution is we need to pull in the fintechs that are are the best to be able to serve those members and deliver the value that they expect. Mm -hmm. And so open banking is huge. uh, across the board, being able to stitch these things together. And so that's driven a lot of in- innovation um, within mm-hmm. fintechs in the US. And then if you go overseas, you look over in Europe, you look in Asia, uh, they're ahead of us. They're ahead of us from a fintech yeah. uh, payments perspective. And so there's a lot of models that are being brought to bear that we can learn and benchmark overseas as well mm-hmm. as the, the massive number of fintechs that are, are coming together. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I know that the um, starting that that involvement, you've got three particular fintechs that you have embedded now and that are on board. And, and I and I want to talk about those. But first, tell us about what your the the scope of your digital transformation. I know that you've modernized the architecture. You've uh, probably, you've created new roles on staff, that sort of stuff. Give us the big picture on what you've done as part of this modernization. Yeah, so uh, here at TrueStone, we've looked at it in three main pillars. Um, You know, the one is modernizing our architecture. So uh, looking at the cloud to be able to provide scalability and dynamic uh, bursting, if you will. Um, API-led first uh, uh, type infrastructure because you Mm -hmm. have to um, stitch things together. And so we brought in a uh, integration platform as a service, which has been very, very effective. Um, Boomi is the name of the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, data and then security are all part of that technology modernization. The second pillar is about embedding fintechs. Uh, so my team isn't necessarily going out and developing those front ends, but it's taking those integration opportunities to tie it into our digital channel. So looking out and embedding uh, fintechs, I have a VP of innovation. So he goes out to these conferences, he does research to basically look at um, what are the technologies and fintechs that we can bring to bear uh, mm-hmm. to best serve our members and team members? And then yeah. the third pillar is all about our product management council and our agile transformation. 
Yes. And that's two things. One, it's the process of doing Agile, but it's also the culture of bringing that forward to Agile um, mm -hmm. to all of the employees. And so that ties right into our values of continuous improvement, simplification, and the whole concept that the people that are closest to the work are in the best position to improve the work. And so that's been really successful from a digital transformation per, uh, uh, perspective and a very, very important pillar. So three yeah. pillars. All right. Now let's talk a little bit more about, um, and, well, a little bit about security, because I know that that's, that's always a big, important pillar. It's usually the one that most CIOs don't want to get into a lot of details about. Understand that. But I, I think it's very interesting that you're using a, a kind of a CSO as a service approach to what you do with security. Uh, tell us about that and uh, kind of how that came to pass. Is this is this something new for you? Had you worked this way previously at some of the bigger companies? Yeah, so uh, one thing I want to say about security is um, from a credit union banking perspective, one of the foundations of trust is being mm -hmm. able to protect members. In the past, it used to be um, members or customers would bring money to the bank, right? From a physical right. security, here's your dollars. Today, it's all about data. Um, and so from a financial institution, how do we protect their data? Uh, mm -hmm. How do we make sure that we um, allow them control of their data? Uh, and that's a, that's a key aspect of open banking. And making sure we have the tools in place to do that from a controls and then also from a security perspective. So we, we've done a lot of investment in, in our security to harden the walls, to basically uh, tighten the keys, those type of things to protect mm -hmm. um, when we first came When we first came together, smaller institution, $4 billion, mm -hmm. four plus billion dollars in assets, uh, hiring on a full-time uh, CISO, um, mm -hmm. Know, chief information security officer um, is something we're eventually once we grow a little bit bigger we're going to do but yep. there's a uh, um, but starting out essentially we've we have an information security officer on staff but we use an external party that provides our CISO as a service so every week we meet we okay. walk through an agenda um, they evaluate us uh, from where we sit from security so they're removed if mm -hmm. you will, a lot of, in large companies, the CISO doesn't report into IT. A lot of times that goes mm -hmm. through in compliance. So that that separation, if you will, is maintained by using that CISO as a service. Um, and we use ongoing operations, which is a great company that provides that to us. Mm -hmm. um, and the CISO reports every quarter to our supervisory committee. So it really kind of, I really appreciate it because it, it holds us accountable. Uh, they're mm -hmm. evaluating us. Uh, they don't necessarily report to me or my IT department, but we're very closely in lockstep uh, yeah. protecting member data. We we want to maintain the trust with our members. It's super important. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about your staff now. You've got, there's 600 employees at Truestone and your IT staff is about 50. Yeah. Once the, the merger took place, how did you what did you change? How did you reorganize things? What were the new roles that you created? Well, when we did the merger, it was almost like uh, peanut butter and chocolate, you know, from Reese's because each, <laughs> each credit union, if you will. You're saying the merger tasted great, huh? Yeah, well, it was uh, it was great. There were some challenges like all mergers, but uh, mm -hmm. from a technology perspective, um, the Firefly team essentially had a data analytics uh, organization, mm -hmm. uh, which was very strong or is very strong. Um, on the Truestone side, they had a development organization, which was lacking uh, on the Firefly side. So when we came together, um, that basically um, helped round out the team. Mm -hmm. now, some of the new roles that uh, we brought, enterprise architecture, solution architects, that didn't exist before. But to be able to set that strategy to make sure the technologies that we bring in, uh, having an enterprise architect, having a solution architect that truly really helps monitor that and focuses us to scale and to growth um, has been a critical position across the board. I mentioned the VP of innovation. That mm -hmm. was a huge aspect too, which is tied with our solution architect and enterprise yeah. architect. Yeah. Um, so those were uh, those were part of it. We've done some reorganizations as well. We've created an enterprise application support organization. Mm -hmm. um, we're all pretty much in source 
from uh, infrastructure and operations. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so it's a it's a full spectrum IT team. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and I think you mentioned too that you've uh, had some real big success in terms of when we start talking about talent and finding it and retaining it. That you've done a good bit of bringing people in from other business units in the company, like you mentioned, a uh, one of the tellers who is now part of application yeah. development or application support, maybe it was. Um, how how have you made your IT operation look like a great place to transfer over to? Mm -hmm. Well, first, um, no credit really goes to me. I oh. look at uh, my leader. <laughs> so I have such an amazing <clears throat> team that's just been absolutely brilliant across. Mm -hmm. um, certainly have loved that um, organization. Um, and so, I, you know, one of the things I we've been able to do within technology is one really live our values from a culture perspective so okay. really looking at collaboration and things like that so i think that's um all of truestone does that but i think that's been a big aspect uh within technology so we've got a great culture which is uh really set by the my my senior leadership team mm -hmm. so that makes it attractive the second is um leadership or uh, career tracks um one of the nice things is Having a larger technology team, uh, this didn't always exist when we were smaller, but mm -hmm. there's a growth path, and we've we've been able to take from the call center, which is outside of IT, move mm -hmm. them to our help desk, uh, our um, move them to a desktop engineer, and then move them into application support or move them into infrastructure, more yeah. of that level uh, three type thing. So that's been attractive to attracting talent and. Then it's a, a the product management council. So when we look at our agile transformation, all, all of the product owners sit in the mm -hmm. business other than the technology like security. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. And those those folks um, um, have an opportunity, a really good view into IT. Um, and so um, working you know, with their employees or their own experiences, they come over. So I talked about the teller coming over. We've had, mm -hmm. we had a a great employee coming from operations who was part of the product management council as mm -hmm. far as kind of continuing to build his career track. Um, we had, uh, so we've had a number of folks uh, throughout the business. And I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's been a, it's, it's been a great opportunity uh, for folks that know the business and also mm -hmm. a great talent that are very technology savvy uh, to, uh, to grow. So yeah, higher, um, higher, higher leaders, uh, trained skills. Yeah. Well, I've had, I had one CIO I, I interviewed who had a wonderful description for it and talked about one of the focuses for this CIO was to, to keep re-recruiting the talent they had. Every time I used to, a couple of years ago, you'd ask about how do you find and hire great talent? Now the question is often, the first question is, how do you keep the great people you've got? And that idea about re-recruiting them every day, um, I know this will resonate with you because I've, I've some of the articles where you've been quoted in before you talked about servant leadership. Um, what does, what, where does that come from for you and what does it mean? You know, I think where it comes from for me is actually a lot of the training I had in the military. Um, mm. You know, when you look at leading a squadron of helicopters and, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, soldiers, um, making sure that they are well prepared, uh, they are, their families are well prepared, and doing whatever is needed to be able to um, make them and the mission successful. Mm -hmm. So that whole servant leadership, you know, and I, I was very fortunate and lucky to be able to serve in the military. Um, was really the foundation of leaders okay. within the army and carrying carrying that forward um has been um kind of a foundation of my own leadership style um mm -hmm. whereas as a leader you need to provide the environment you need to provide the tools you need to provide um, the skills for employees to thrive everyone mm -hmm. comes into work they want to make a difference um, and so one other example i would say is from a training and development. Uh, we have a very large training and development budget. And in technology, as all your, you know, everyone that's watching and, and listening knows, if you're not training and learning skills, you're falling behind. Oh yeah. Because it is a hockey stick as far as 
uh, really what's happening uh, with technology. So we mm -hmm. we send our uh, team members to certifications. They go to conferences. They have lots of opportunities to not only develop uh, their professional skills from mm -hmm. a leadership perspective, but also their technical skills. Um, yes. And this technology uh, transformation has provided a lot of exciting opportunities for them. Yeah. Well, when we talked about talent earlier, too, you mentioned that um, when you do lose um, a member of the staff who decides to go somewhere else, you know, maybe a for-profit business, maybe it's for a bigger salary or they move to a bigger town, you like to feel like you've sent them out the door, the very best trained person in talent that, you know, essentially a showcase for the sort of talent that you're developing there. And at sounds like they might after they do that for a while they might come back have you had that happen yet <laughs> we have you know one of the things okay. I, I tell my employees at our town halls right is like i want you to stay with us forever yes but <laughs> if you leave you know one i don't want you running away i want you to be running too to grow your your skill mm -hmm. and i want true stone to be true stone it to be that organization that creates the best technologist within the industry and whether that technology goes to because um, technology IT is a very fungible skill, so mm -hmm. they sure is all yeah. over all over the place. Um, and we've had we've had some T members come back, uh, which is great. They, they go out, they learn some more skills, and they come back and yeah, for our members. So I love it. What are some of the top training areas that your staff are most interested in? I know I read in one of the articles that we were interviewed. You talked a lot about data scientists. Yeah. And it's so hard to find them. It's certainly hard to afford them and hire them. So I'm assuming that uh, data science areas might be one. But correct me if I'm wrong on that. <laughs> no, you're 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 right. You know, one of the things our um, our data analytics team, you know, we're building the foundation with a data catalog and prep and and a master data management uh, platform. Again, that's Boomi, which is has been great. It ties mm -hmm. into our iPass very well, um, <clears throat> but um, evolving and growing to more of that data science organization. So um, in the short term, like last year, we partnered with the University of Minnesota. There's a uh -huh. analytics lab. We brought in a team and they're all graduate students with varying levels of experience to take a look at a real world, uh, very important initiative and create some of the models. And so that's been a showcase, um, not only for the data analytics team, but also the other executives uh, executive vice presidents, um, mm -hmm. as far as what data analytics can do. Um, so that's, that's one, uh, that's one example. Um, yeah. we do, uh, others, you know, um, you know, within our infrastructure, um, getting Azure and AWS certified, um, for, mm -hmm. uh, developing, uh, especially in security, uh, getting our mm -hmm. information security team, uh, through the different certifications that are out there. Um, when I first stepped in, uh, mm -hmm. getting everyone ITIL certified so we can really run with a common language when we're talking about instant management, problem management, right. those, those type of things. So um, those are those are some examples. And like I said, we have a, um, this is the one area of the budget for training and development I fight for every year. That's great. Well, and it sounds like you fight very successfully and that the the your leadership, you'd mentioned that your CEO is very tech savvy. So you don't have to keep re-explaining why it's important to keep up with training courses and that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate. Dale Turner is really a visionary. Um, mm -hmm. Came from San Diego. He was with uh, Firefly as a CEO ah. um, uh, probably a year, two years before I joined the organization. Yeah. Um, and he's a younger guy and mm -hmm. he's really kind of bringing a, a leaning forward in, in with technology. So very, very fortunate there. The board of directors too, um, you know, working mm -hmm. with board of directors, setting strategy. Um, we've got a great board of directors um, and that's been very, very fortunate. And we have a number of CIOs that are on the board of directors, which is very, very helpful. And they not only um, can advocate, but they also ask very, very good questions uh, to mm -hmm. to me and the other executive vice presidents to, to um, basically protect our members. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's been well, good. 
And speaking of those members, I mentioned in your intro that there's 200,000 and they're member owners. And for uh, any of our audience that isn't familiar with not-for-profit credit union and the structures, when we call them member owners, um, what do we, what do we mean exactly? And I, I bet the board is all a number of those member owners. Yeah, it is different. Uh, yeah. Stepping out of a, a for-profit organization, uh, going into a not-for-profit. And this has been really refreshing and great great for me. Yeah. So the board of directors are all members. They're volunteers. They're not paid. Um, uh, they bring different skill sets professionally across you know, where they worked in the industry to be able to help govern uh, the organization. The 200,000 members all have shares within with the organization. So we're uh, with the credit union, they have to have a share savings account to start just five bucks to get it going. But with that, they're voting members. So when we merged, um, they voted on whether we merged or not, or when we do major changes, that is sent out to all of the members uh, that have an opportunity to provide a voice, uh, voice to it. And we're truly member focused, customer first, because they own us. Um, the other thing I'd say a not-for-profit we're not a charity. We're a not-for-profit. So mm -hmm. a lot of the things that we do is essentially we run a very strong credit union from a mm -hmm. finance perspective. The difference is we give that back to our members. So when you look at the, the products we provide relative to checking, CDs, uh, interest, car mm -hmm. loans, those type of things, uh, we can give better rates. Uh, and we can give uh, nicer products to our members. And okay. we're always looking yeah. at that. So if you're not a credit union member, go take a look at it. Uh, it's a great opportunity because we, uh, being a not-for-profit, really, really member-focused. Yeah, and well, I'll, I'll, bet customers, so. well, I'll bet a lot of the people listening remember their first credit union because mm -hmm. when my husband and I, we lived in Gainesville, Florida, and we were both at University of Florida, and the Florida, the UF credit union, I think we might actually still be members. I mean, yeah. you can kind of you can hang in over the decades. We probably don't even have very much in the account anymore, but I remember that it's very significant help when you need your very first car loan. And you know, you're you're 20 years old and really you're probably not a very good credit risk at that point. Well, I mean, the, the nice thing about a, a when they get to we we know our members personally. So they come mm -hmm. into the branches, they get get experience, talk to a loan officer, and we're we're able to look at it from the perspective of, okay, maybe you're not, your credit score doesn't give you that today, but right. um, because you're in the community, we know, we know you, um, you know, yeah, let's, let's take a chance. Mm -hmm. on community banks do, do a lot of the same thing. Sure. Yes. Um, let's, uh, I want to switch, uh, switch horses right now and talk a little bit about digital customer experience, because I know that's something that you brought a lot of expertise with you from the larger companies, but this is actually the first time you've had your hands totally on the wheel of driving the digital customer experience. And you had mentioned that um, you bring, you've brought in industry experts to talk about this. So tell us where you are today with the digital customer experience and where it's going over, say, the next year. Yeah. So um, from a digital customer service uh, perspective, um, one of the things I've been able to do is really look, reach out into the organization from or out into the industry mm -hmm. from my own network and then also um, the different conferences we go out. So example, back in September, uh, we brought in Rick DeLisi. And for those that don't know Rick DeLisi, he wrote a, a really great book, highly recommended. It. It's called D uh, Digital Customer Support. He also um, worked with Harvard Business uh, Review to write white papers on mm -hmm. uh, customer effort score. He helped to uh, do it, um, create that, if you will, as far as the analysis behind it. Um, but essentially <clears throat> bringing that forward and saying, hey, how do we remove friction? Because that's what customer effort score is all about. Oh, um, okay. The question is, it's different than net promoter score, will you recommend? It's how mm -hmm. much effort did you put into solving your problem? Uh, and the lower effort, the, the more customer loyalty, if you will. So mm -hmm. to do that low effort, you got to have really good, strong technology. Mm -hmm. So if a member starts a, a chat 
You have a chatbot to, to answer the easy questions. They can't get the answer, you kick them to a human. And that human yeah. could be whether it's yeah. a chat or it's uh, picking up our call center, um, going across um, and then looking to serve that serve that member. And how do you serve it on a first call resolution? So okay. we're not there yet. We, uh, we have a, a ways to go, but in 2023, we're going to be doing um, investments in digital customer support, um, on the channel, if you will, um, uh, to be able to serve members. But we brought in other fintechs to basically from a digital channel uh, to, to better serve members. And we were successfully did that with a number of in 2022. Yes. Um, let's let's talk about those. Have you at other uh, some of your other larger organizations, have you been involved with FinTech specifically or just with managing the relationship with a startup? So uh, in my in my other organizations, particularly Optum and United Health Group, uh, mm -hmm. we're very big, right? One hundred nine billion billion dollars. Uh, huge and so that's a lot of billions yeah yeah, yeah a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of money and so you're the 900 pound gorilla that, that you know mm -hmm. enterprise uh, folks so worked with very large very large uh, vendor partners and which were great you know obviously microsoft oracle um mm -hmm. disco um you know a lot of those things but didn't have an opportunity to, to deal with a lot of uh, startups mm -hmm. fast forward move into truestone it is it's amazing. <laughs> it's so much fun. There are so many fintech startups now. Uh, yes. Not all of them will survive the recession, uh, right. but uh, a lot of them will. And so we partnered with those. And as we vetted them, we looked at you know their balance sheets and their pathway to productivity. Or to mm -hmm. And we've been able to to really start with some innovative ones. So with Plutch, uh, um, started out with an auto refinancing application mm -hmm. with six easy clicks. Uh, to help folks um, refinance. And the the spirit behind with Plutch, uh, the owner, so talk to the owner, the creator, the innovators. Don't. don't that's right. That's right. You're not dealing with a product salesperson when right. you're the CIO right. and it's a startup. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. And then we've been able to help influence their product roadmap. So it started mm -hmm. auto refinancing. Now we're doing cards and consumer lending. And there's a whole roadmap associated with it. And they're working directly with us and their other customers to be able to say, how do we bring the most value to the organization? So that's just that's been a ton of fun and very, very refreshing because yeah. um, when I was an optim, I didn't get a chance to talk to the Microsoft CEO. Oh, well. Yeah. True. <laughs> True. Uh, but it's been, uh, consider, yeah. how far away from the products would he? Yeah. Be? Yeah. 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 Um, have you at, at this point in your career, have you ever served on a board of directors for a startup or have you been asked to work with any of them? I have not. Um, um, I'll I have, bet that's coming. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bet yeah, that, that would be a lot of fun. I think uh, yeah. from a security perspective, I think I can yeah. have startups. What is the process that you take uh, the startups through before they can start working with Truestone? And I ask that keeping in mind that some years ago, I was talking with a CIO of a big biomed company located in the Boston area. Mm -hmm. And he was similarly, this was probably, oh gosh, maybe around 2010. So it's a while ago. And mm -hmm. he was trying to get more and more um, tech startup tech companies involved, but discovering that they had so many legal protections and requirements in mind that by the time the potential startups got through the checklist, none of them could qualify yeah. to work with the organization. And he was very frustrated with it. I'm sure it's very different now, but I'll bet you still have a process. Does it go through your product management council? How do you approach it when you get... Well, a, a startup CEO gets in touch with you and says, have I got a great digital product for you? What do you do? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we take a little bit different angle. We really focus on the member, right? What are the pain points uh, that we want to solve? What are those things that are, are tied out there? And they come, those pain points or those solutions often or those needs come from our product management council and our product owner. Okay. Um, I would say the other side of the house is that uh, you don't know what you don't know. Um, so right. our VP of innovation is always out mm -hmm. there, you know, kind of looking at, at uh, technology to be able to say it. Once we identify a FinTech that says, you know what, this is going to bring a ton of value to our members. Um, 
and it's going to solve the pain points um, that our product management council or capabilities need to be addressed. Um, then it goes through the, through the vetting process. And there's a standard vetting process where you're looking at SOX 2, uh, doing you know their financial statements, things like that. Yeah. Uh, but we have a very forward-thinking uh, legal and compliance um, office. So mm-hmm. um, you know, there's one thing as far as having an outage and impacting a group of members and from a perspective. Mm-hmm. Dropping the ball on compliance that's a million, multi-million dollar mistake. Yeah, right? yeah that's, so, so that's a non-starter, are, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we work very closely with compliance. We will work very mm-hmm. closely with our legal uh, um, officer, chief legal officer, and how do we bring these uh, these fin- fintechs to bear? And you know, we'll work with the, the fintech to say, hey, you know mm-hmm. what, you're not quite ready. Um, here are the terms and conditions and your master service agreement that need to be tied in there to be mm-hmm. able to be effective. Um, come back and talk to us later. But again, mm-hmm. there are so many fintechs out there. If they're not taking these security precautions, they're not doing the things they need to do. There's right. another one or two behind them. So Yeah. And do they start that process with TrueStone with your, your VP of innovation? who I know has an official different title. He's a solution yeah, architect. He's our, he's, he's our, our, our he's kind of informally our development. Yeah. I just call him that because. Yeah. <laughs> How do they start with him? Does he usually vet them before he brings them to you? Mm-hmm. He does, right? Mm-hmm. So he'll go out to conferences. There's FinTech meetups, Credit Union 2.0. Um, and he'll look at those, the different, um, you know, FinTechs that are out mm-hmm. there. He'll do some vetting. He's a solution architect. He served, he's been with the credit union, I want to say 12 years. Oh, okay. So really a lot of different Mm -hmm. roles uh, from, you know, mortgage to lending to, you know, starting up organizations within the credit union. So he's very deep as far as what are our processes today and uh, very knowledgeable on member needs. So he's been really Mm -hmm. great as far as not wasting time looking at every single uh, FinTech. That's right. Okay. Right. I know. Because you did mention there's a few of them out there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's just. Yeah. I, and you don't want them all calling your cell after this interview. <laughs> yeah. And I would throw there's a there's a couple things as far as fintechs and there's some amazing out there. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a lot of it's timing. Right. So sure. we're at a it depends on what our members need, what's going to deliver the most value. Yeah. And the fintech as they develop. We're, we're aware of them. And then, you know, perhaps we want to bring them in later, you know, crypto, mm-hmm. you know, the, the meltdown, <laughs> but essentially, you know, that is a, that is a product that members are going to want at some point. We push that way down the, uh, down yeah. the roadmap, if you will, buy now, pay later, things like that. We mm-hmm. are going to do, but it's on the roadmap. Uh, it's not something that's right away. So why vet them now? It's more of a yeah. just in time approach. Sure. Well, yeah, you have to, I mean, time, time is a budget somewhere, you know, you have Very to, true. Keep track of that. The three fintechs that are officially embedded now, they're all in your digital banking space. Is that correct? Uh, Yes, uh, for the most part. So one of the things I talked about compliance, um, Mm. we we didn't have a very strong platform before. We vetted a number. We brought in a a company called Verifen, which essentially helps our uh, banks. Mm -hmm. Act and our mm-hmm. money uh, fraud prevention organization better manage identified. So that uses a lot of AI. But when we talk about member facing fintechs that we brought through, and I mentioned it earlier, Wicklutch uh, was, yes. uh, was was one of them that we've helped grow, and they've helped grow across this uh, this mm-hmm. year. Um, we started in January with them, uh, deployed mm-hmm. in March. Uh, digital onboarding we just turned on. Um, digital onboarding is a uh, brilliant fintech. They mm-hmm. uh, essentially make it just so easy for a new member um, to one enroll in digital banking, uh, go mm-hmm. and change their direct deposit uh, to to TrueStone. So work with the different payroll uh, mm-hmm. providers like ADP. So it's not like taking a, a form to your HR to make those transactions. You can do it very very quickly and easy for mm-hmm. digital onboarding, enrolling on e statements. Um, you, know, you know, card or card on file or card on record, changing your card to um, TrueStone as far as on, on the online vendors. Um, so digital onboarding, we've, we've just launched uh, back at the end of October and we're finding that very, very successful. Wow. And then the foundation of all this, 
mm-hmm. is that integration to be able to pull those those fintechs, uh, you know, to be able to offer those up. So yes. a lot of work's been uh, uh, worked with Boomi to be able to create reusable APIs okay. uh, that a lot allow a lot of the back office automations in the back office. And, yeah. I was thinking that this this uh, it sounds relatively straightforward and easy now because of the work you've done with modernizing the architecture. The fact that you're set up to have a an API driven architecture. Um, how how much of your infrastructure do you have in the cloud today? And is that something where it's a a big move toward more and more of it there, or is it a balance that you're looking to seek? Where where are you on cloud strategy? Mm -hmm. Right now our cloud strategy, so it's not a full march to the cloud. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's more of um, this year we've set up our our first Microsoft Azure, so we kind of environment cloud. So we have a third data center, if you will, that's located Mm -hmm. in um, we're starting with uh, disaster recovery. So our immutable mm-hmm. backups are uh, stored out in the cloud. Um, okay. Low, very low, ex- um, um, not very expensive as far mm-hmm. as storage, unless you have to pull it out. Um, and, um, you know, that's one aspect. We're going to be early next year, we're going to be hosting our first externally facing application in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, product called CU Nexus, which will be in the background of our digital banking, our right? Okay. Um, and then as it makes sense, we'll be building things out into the cloud um, and migrating some of the workloads uh, to the cloud. Right now, all our data um, sits uh, within our own data centers. We have a colo. Um, but when we talk about machine learning, we talk about mm-hmm. uh, artificial intelligence, uh, those type of things, leveraging the cloud, leveraging uh, those things. So we'll we'll be moving data out there in a secure env- um, methodology yeah. to make sure that we can leverage a lot of those. And so it's mm-hmm. exciting. Uh, yeah. We've got I to, to set the foundation. That's great. Um, I wanted to circle back and talk a little bit more about the Product Management Council, because yeah. I'm, I'm always fascinated with that because it's a different approach to managing the whole flow of projects and products that the IT department is working on. And you had mentioned that Truestone, when the merger took place, Truestone didn't have a PMO, a project management office, but Firefly did, but you end up moving to a product management council. And you had mentioned that that was a little more culturally challenging. So tell tell us about that. What was culturally challenging about that and how did you resolve everything? Yeah, so um, I, I want to start out to say Agile is a journey, <laughs> so there's no endpoint. So when you say resolve yes. that, I would say we've moved the needle significantly, and we still okay. have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, where, uh, but the approach we've taken, we we've taken is I have a very very talented uh, global planning and delivery senior vice president, and mm-hmm. putting that structure in place, uh, she's done very very um, good at. Right. So we have three mm-hmm. product families within those product families. We have product owners, product mm-hmm. owners reside in the business and um, product families are member experience, employee experience and technology experience. And each right. one of those have anywhere from six to, you know, nine products, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so product owner is responsible for the product roadmap. We have a technology owner that's aligned with those product owners. And together they're sitting and creating those roadmaps, creating you know what adds value to the organization. So having them sit in the organization has been absolutely critical uh, to the success of this. Um, I would say some of the challenges we initially came up with, one, it's a new concept. Uh, it's a new concept for a lot of the leadership. It's a new mm-hmm. concept for a lot of the executive vice presidents. Um, and I, ha- I, I was also fortunate within my previous experience to have gone through a number of agile transformations and made mistakes. And so Mm -hmm. learnings uh, uh, forward uh, to Truestone. Um, And so uh, there's the equation uh, where I always look at the effectiveness of a solution or the effectiveness of the program is two factors. One is the quality of the program. Mm -hmm. It was the adoption of the of the program. And so when you look at it from a quality perspective, we have a great structure, stand-ups, releases, uh, product management council, product donors. Now the focus is looking at 
the uh, acceptance of the solution, right? right? And the acceptance, we brought on a uh, organizational change management expert. Uh, she's been absolutely brilliant as okay. far as not just bringing these these tools and the structure to do organizational change management, but also training, right? So it's not organizational change management is one person's responsibility, but it's those product owners. And, you know, success is measured from our employees, right? Our mm -hmm. employees ready to take some of these capabilities in the future. So right. uh, it's been good. It's been good. We're still working through it. Uh, we make continuous improvement opportunity mm -hmm. and we're uh, continuing to drive. It's been well. Yeah. Well, I was also interested in hearing a little more about uh, your internship program or the with with the University of Minnesota. <laughs> was that something that both of the credit unions before the merger were all doing, or is that something newer? That's new. Um, so one of the things that um, within Optum, they have a, a technology development program, which is absolutely mm -hmm. brilliant, but they recruit folks and they give them two-year rotations. And so, and General Electric had something very similar. Um, yeah. So when we look at talent, we look at skills, right? Partnering with mm -hmm. local universities and colleges <coughs> is, is just a, a natural thing for me because one of the things that I've experienced in the past is um, young talent, when it comes in, they don't understand what can't be done. Mm -hmm. So they'll, they'll come Which in. Is good and, and bad. Like, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, in a past life or a past organization, uh, we wanted to build a chatbot. Um, there were two organizations which said it would take a year and multiple million dollars to build it. Uh, mm -hmm. This young team that basically came right out of college, they had a working chat bot, bot open source uh, mm -hmm. in four months. So it's uh, it's one of those things you, uh, yeah. that those barriers and new technologies and new skills has been great. And so yeah. University of Minnesota, uh, hats off to the Carlson Analytics Lab. They've got, it's mm -hmm. great. Well, I, and I may be just imagining this from anecdotal experiences I've had talking to CIOs, but I feel like there is a much greater resurgence now and an interest in these kind of partnerships. And you don't have to be the Bank of America or General Electric to do them. You can be a mid-sized, even a small organization and be doing internships and apprenticeships and that sort of thing. I think that uh, that pipeline of future tech talent is so incredibly important and and so much more viable i think than a lot of people realize yeah yeah i totally agree and yeah you know, our data analytics uh, team rode shotgun with these folks had an opportunity for enterprise apps our digital banking uh, manager um, got to be able to have the experience of being a mentor and a champion if you will yeah so yeah. um understanding what's out there as well as growing themselves professionally it's been mm -hmm. really really good yeah. When I remember there was a story some years ago and a CIO was telling me about it and it's a very experienced team, a, a group of security folks, and they were having a problem and it was in a, in a, one of the South American countries. And there was um, there were threats, ransomware kind of threats against the company from Anonymous, that organization of the black hat hackers. Mm -hmm. And so the team was all talking about it and they had a student there, a 22 year old who said, well, why don't I just join them like why don't i sign up and join anonymous and they were all shocked at first they said oh my god no that's the enemy and then they suddenly thought wait a minute that could and nobody had thought to look yeah. at it that way he was like why don't i just go out and like sign up and join and find out what they're doing and yeah. this just the cio talked about it years later she said it was such a moment an eye opener for her about how the things that you don't that it's not on the rule book anywhere that you can't do that and my god that could work what a great idea that sort of thing yeah yeah i think that's uh that's great that's a great example of diversity right yes diversity. exactly of reverse mentoring oh, essentially yeah, yeah. Uh, very very neat yeah great now we mentioned the importance of the huge focus on data. Um, how about things in your, are you doing anything with a business intelligence platform or just when you think about strategic tech priorities, business tech priorities for the coming year, what are the top items on your agenda? So uh, data is, is, is huge, right? Mm -hmm. So I talked about protecting members' data from a security perspective to mm -hmm. build that trust. Now, the second step in that is how do we make sure our data is accurate, it's consistent, 
Mm -hmm. um, and we're uh, using that data in a good manner to be able to offer needed services to our members mm -hmm. right? and, and giving them the ability to kind of control their da data, if you will. Yeah. So um, investments we made last year in Boomi, we've doubled down as far as operating, uh, doing that. So data catalog and prep, it's been huge in mm -hmm. kicking off our data governance program where right. uh, business experts along with our da data team are doing <clears throat> lineage, data definitions, data catalogs, those, those type of things. And the mm -hmm. platform's been very helpful in identifying where do we focus first. Yeah. Um, the second thing is our master data management our, our in mm. master data hub is what Boomi calls it. But that's been critical as far as um, that investment. We are looking for the benefits in 2023 and deploying mm -hmm. it fully. Mm -hmm. um, that will allow us to create golden records. Right. And so in our various systems across the board, um, addresses, names, uh, there's variation in it. What is that golden record to be mm -hmm. able to make sure we can contact our members and we're providing their um, getting that 360 degree view. Yeah. So we've uh, we've just started down that journey, uh, but there's tons of use cases where we're 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 expecting benefits. Okay. Well, it sounds like if, if you're expecting them, and if you don't see them, you'll know where to dig in and ask more questions. Essentially, and we someone we'll bring in an external talent as well uh, to. Um, best leverage those platforms mm -hmm. that have the experience uh, and again contracting with Boomi or bringing an enterprise architect organization Great. Uh, to basically um, making sure we're deploying it in the best manner we're using the use cases we're learning from others mm -hmm. and, uh, um, uh, using all those type of capabilities because you know quite honestly my team uh, doesn't have the experience in that area right now Mm -hmm. Well, and there's with the availability of all this essentially talent as a service, uh, there is, you know, there's less anxiety around that in a way when you can bring in that kind of expertise. Um, it is. And then the other thing is uh, whenever we bring these folks in, it's teach us the fish. So we ride shotgun. Yes. So when we set up our cloud environment, we exactly. brought in a, an expert mm -hmm. along those lines, but our infrastructure team rode shotgun with them and are now making improvements uh, along with their own certifications. Yeah. And the same thing we'll, we're doing with, uh, with data and also our development team from um, taking that API led strategy and building those integrations. Okay. Which is why you wanted to create it in the first place, right? Exactly. So it would be there to be of service to, to you, the, your team and your members. Yeah. Um, last wrap up question I have for you. What has being a CIO in your first official CIO role uh, during the pandemic, what has it taught you or changed about your own leadership style? I would say it's kind of doubling down on some of those fundamentals, right? Okay. So mm -hmm. um, talent is tough uh, to get, talent is tough to maintain. So making sure that culture, making sure um, employees are challenged and they're learning to grow and they, they, they mm -hmm. want to stay within the organization and you're serving them and providing them the right, right capabilities. Right. I would say the other thing is speed and being nimble and agile wins the day, right? Yes. So from a technology perspective, you have to have the foundation to be able to meet your members where they're at. And you mm -hmm. also have to be able, especially in this environment, when it's a whiplash, right? When you're mm -hmm. going, um, let's, let's do loans to let's build savings, uh, yeah. build assets, you have to pivot quickly. And right. so you've got to have partners that can do that with you. Uh, you have to have a team that is motivated, passionate uh, to serve members and um, be able to do it. And I'm fortunate for doing it. Okay. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of good fortune going around on both sides. Thank you so much, Gary, for joining me today. It's been a great conversation. I've really appreciated having you here. I really enjoyed it too. So thank okay. you. If you joined us late today, you can watch the full episode later today here on LinkedIn, where it'll be pinned at the top of CIO Online, our, our spot there on LinkedIn for the rest of the day and beyond. 
But you can also find this interview on CIO's YouTube channel and on CIO.com itself. CIO Leadership Live is also available as an audio podcast wherever you find your podcasts. I hope that you've all enjoyed listening in on today's conversation with CIO Gary Jeter, CTO and EVP Gary Jeter of True Stone Financial Credit Union. And we look forward to seeing you again in the new year. 2023 is leaning in on us right now. Our next Leadership Live will be held on January 11th, Wednesday at noon Eastern. And I'll have CIO Kirk Ball, who is with the Giant Eagle supermarket chain, joining me for our first Leadership Live of the new year. Thanks again for joining us and tuning in today. I hope you'll also take a moment to subscribe to CIO's YouTube channel because heaven forfend, you should miss any of our wonderful Leadership Live conversations. Stay well out there, enjoy the holidays, and we'll see you back in the new year. Take care.